Are you ready for this? I am. This is going to be great. Oh, good. <laughs> okay. Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. I'm Sarah. And I am Peter. And we are ranking and reviewing all of the rulers of Spain from Leovigild to Felipe VI. And today we are going to be reviewing Abdelrahman I. All right. The new the number tells me that interesting things are afoot. Yes. So this is a name we've had before during the governor period. But right. Abdelrahman was actually a pretty popular name at mm-hmm. the time. This is Abdelrahman I because he is not a governor of Spain. He is an emir of Spain, an uh... independent king. All right. This is going to be a great episode, a lot of action and drama, and uh, I just want to dive right in because it's probably going to be a little little long. Oh, good. All right. Today's ruler's full name is Abdelrahman Ibn Muawiyah Ibn Hisham Ibn Abdelmalik Ibn Marwan. Good Lord. There's a lot of people that need to be acknowledged in in that name, clearly. Well, this name takes us all the way back to our very first Muslim episode. Marwan, who is the last name, he was the father of both Abdulaziz, who was Musa's patron, Uh and Abdul Malik, who succeeded Marwan as caliph. Oh, we are really going back. Okay. So we have Ibn Marwan, Ibn Abdul Malik there. Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. Abdul Malik was the father of Hisham who was our caliph for right. two years and just died at the point we are in our story. Right. Then Hisham was the father of a guy named Muawiyah, and Muawiyah was Abdelrahman's father. So Abdelrahman I is the grandson of Caliph Hisham, mm-hmm. and he's the great-grand-nephew of Musa's patron, Abdelaziz. So th- th- this is a lineage. This is, I was going to say, there's a, there's a lot that we've been building up to. It is quite a lineage. And because of his lofty position in life, we know quite a bit more about Abdelrahman I's pre-ruler life than we did about most of our governors. Right. I was going to say, oh, good. This is, we're finally seeing some backstory. We don't have to, you know, fill in the blanks. No, we don't. Um, nice. Now, he is certainly in an extremely privileged position when he is born in about the year 727, just outside of Damascus. But don't mistake his being a part of the royal family as being in line for the throne or anything Ah. like that. Right. It's sort of an I Claudius situation where you're you're in the building, but you're not allowed to be in the big room. As we've seen, the caliphal succession is family based, but it's not necessarily based on primogeniture. Right. And it's not even clear that Abdul Rahman or his father Muawiyah are firstborn sons anyway. Mm. Your overall familial and political connections matter far more when it comes to having power in the caliphate. Mm-hmm. This means that your mother's line is also important. If your mother was descended from an important person, that makes you more important than maybe the children of your father's other wives. Right. I was, you know, the the fact that an entire branch of Islam is devoted to the significance of a matrilineal line. Correct. um, Sort of would make it make sense that there'd be some cultural fallout from that. (laughs) Yes. Well, this doesn't work so well for Abdel Rahman because his... His mother is a Berber concubine. Oh, no. Right. So it's not a very prestigious lineage on that side of his family. No. However, he Mm. still has a wonderfully charmed life growing up, right? Well, he is still, I mean, part of the family. Yes. All right. So Abdul Rahman's father, Muawiyah, is a distinguished general who makes his name fighting the Byzantine Empire. Oh. He's he's very important in, in that uh 
front of, of mm-hmm. uh, expansion. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, he dies in the year 737 when Abd al-Rahman is just 10 years old. Mm. Right. Incidentally, uh. he doesn't die in battle, which would have been cool. He <laughs> dies by falling off his horse during a hunt. Oh, well, it's not quite getting eaten by a bear, but it is in that ballpark. It is in that ballpark, um, so that yeah. is a shame. Again, you know, the eaten by a bear is going to be the, the big one, but these are what I like to refer to as ski boating accidents yes. or jet, jet ski accidents, yes. as in you died doing something fun, and yeah. that always looks a little silly. A little silly, yes. Yeah. Uh, so the Akbar Mahmuha tells us that after Muawiyah's death, Abd al-Rahman and his brothers are taken to al-Rusafa, which is mm. the favored residence of Caliph Hisham. Okay. Right? So they're taken right to the Caliph's household. So, and, and this is in Damascus? Yeah, it's right outside Damascus. Oh, okay. All right. Mm-hmm. And there he is doted on by his grandfather Hisham, as well as mm. one of Hisham's brothers, the great general Masalama. Well, right. always so nice to be doted on by a supreme leader. Uh, yes beats the that, alternative yes that uh that that made his childhood probably pretty great despite mm-hmm. his father at a young age so abdel rahman is 16 years old when hisham dies mm. and al-walid becomes caliph and then he's 17 when al-walid is murdered and yazid the third becomes caliph yes he's 18 when marwan the second takes over after yazid's natural death they just keep going down. Yes, uh, it, it was a very tumultuous time, but right. there is a little bit of peace in Damascus after that because Marwan II rules for five years. All right. It's probably during this time that he has his first son. Abd al-Rahman, he's, he's a young 20-something or, or mm-hmm. late teens, and he has a mm-hmm. son and names him Suleiman. Okay. Oh, well, that, that's a name. It's a good name. Yeah. I, yeah. There's a, there's a lot, there's a lot that you, you got to live up to that one. You do, uh, right. It's like Mar- naming your kids Saladin. You're basically saying, <laughs> dude, you need to step up. It's going to be a good <laughs> ruler. All right. Yeah. Then after that five year break in turnover and turmoil, mm-hmm. Marwan II is overthrown by the Abbasids in the year 750. <sighs> Which we learned in Yusuf's episode. Yes, right? we did. Dozens of members of the royal family are killed in Damascus. Like the Abbasids yes. roll in and they kill anybody related to Hisham, to Muawiyah, yeah. uh, to Abdul Malik, just gone. Well, right? you know, that's that's just sensible policy. If if anybody has ever read a single novel, they know that if you leave anyone alive, they will go to a monastery in Tibet and study for 15 years how to make the killing finger blow and then come back to destroy you. Well, uh, those members of the Umayyad royal family who are left alive scatter. They yeah, yeah, they go, do. Run away. Right. <laughs> Abd al-Rahman is one of these. He Indeed. grabs basically the people who are closest at hand to him, mm-hmm. which are his four-year-old son, Suleiman. Mm-hmm. His thirteen-year-old brother Yahya, oh. two of his <laughs> another sisters, name that's familiar. <laughs> yes, two of his sisters, and his mm-hmm. freedmen Badr, and they all leg it. Mm-hmm. They just run away, right? And and go to I mean, literally as far as they can within the caliphate. Well, they are uh, making their way down the Euphrates at this point. All when right. And the Abbasids, who have pretty firmly taken power in Damascus, mm-hmm. start sending out notices that, hey, you know what? We're real sorry about this, but 
we're going to start giving letters of safe conduct to any Umayyads <laughs> who, who are still alive. Please come back. I'm really sorry. No, no. <laughs> well, about no. 70 family members do fall for this. Wow. Um, they come back to Syria and you will not be surprised to hear that they were all massacred. Wow. The educational system in the caliphate was not as good as I had been led to believe. I guess that... they just don't really know a lot about like they should have read Game of Thrones or something. Yeah, like I, I, absolutely. This, this, this falls squarely into the category of have you read i don't know mallory tolkien homer anything yeah have you read dr seuss because dr seuss called this one so <laughs> all right the the survivors the ones who did not answer this call mm -hmm. go with the former caliph marwan the second and they make a last stand in egypt at the battle of the zab right mm. Now, okay. Abdel Rahman and his party aren't there. They are still busy making their way down the Euphrates. Okay. Now, right. the Abbasids are looking up for any Umayyads, though, and eventually Abdel Rahman's luck runs out. Mm. Mm. We get this story from Al-Makari. He relates, When the empire of the Beni Umayyah was overthrown in the east, and the search for the individuals of that family commenced, Abdel Rahman was one of those who fled to escape the vengeance of the Beni Abbas. He never ceased marching with his family and his son until he halted at a village at the banks of the Euphrates, in the neighborhood of which was a thick forest where he hoped to conceal himself from the spies mm -hmm. of Abdul Muslama until he could find an opportunity of passing to Africa. Mm. Right? So he wants sure. to link up with Marwan II. This guy, this kid is Paul Atreides, isn't he? I he mean, is Paul Atreides. That, that, that is very much the vibe that I'm getting. Yes. Uh, okay. Al-Makari con continues. Okay. He says, the following account of his adventures whilst flying from his enemies has been handed down to us as related by Abdel Rahman himself. Uh -huh. And then he goes and quotes, supposedly, Abdel Rahman the first. <laughs> moving into first person here. Uh, all right. Sure. Why, why not? Here we go. As I was on a certain day sitting under cover of my tent to shelter myself from the rain, which fell very heavily, and watching my eldest son, Suleiman, then about four years old, playing in front of it, I saw him suddenly enter the door, crying violently, and soon after he ran towards me and clung to my bosom for protection. Not knowing what he meant, I pushed him away, but the child clung still more <laughs> to me as one seized with violent fear. Well, that's a warm familial vibe. <laughs> yeah. I then left the tent that I might see what caused his fear when, lo, I saw the whole village in confusion <laughs> and the inhabitants running to and fro in great consternation. I went a little further on and saw the black banners of the Abbasids fluttering in the wind. Okay. Yeah. By the way, I, I I I want to have a pet or a child come to me crying and upset so that I can, in telling the story, say, I didn't know what they were upset about, so I went downstairs and low. And low. <laughs> it's always good, whatever comes after and low. All right, the anecdote was worth the breath. Keep let's keep going. Yes. <laughs> So Abdel Rahman just grabs a handful of stuff and runs out of the village with his son and brother. Basically, yep, <laughs> yep, he basically yells back to Badr and his sisters to meet them at the river, and then he mm -hmm. makes for the Euphrates. Yeah. Al-Makari continues with Abdel Rahman's report. Uh, well, uh. When our pursuers saw this, they began to cry out to us, return hither, no harm shall be done unto you. <laughs> 
Sure, our swords are dripping with blood and you can smell the bodies burning in the background, but uh, come on! I continue. But Mm. I, without listening to their treacherous words, dashed into the midst of the current and my companions did the same. Uh, I, I would like to once again reiterate that it is an absolute pity that that the muslim ban on portrait extends to cinema this needs because to be because this is such a movie we have yes. we have had so many movies yes we that have. we cannot we cannot with that we will never see yes. and it is it is it is curdling my western guts that we cannot do this yes but well, but we can't so you know respect keep you know let's move along abdul rahman <laughs> continues with the story I, being an excellent swimmer, took charge of my son, while my servant Badr helped my younger brother. When in the <laughs> middle of the stream, my brother felt his strength fail him, and he was seized with the fear of death. Seeing his danger, I returned to him to give him courage and induce him to exert himself. But as I approached, I saw him make for the bank, no doubt oh. deceived by the treacherous words of our enemies, and believing uh. that his life would be spared. Oh! I cried out to him, oh brother, come to me, come to me. But he would not listen to my advice, for the promise that his life would be spared and the fear of being drowned made him hasten to the shore. I moreover succeeded in crossing the Euphrates. One of my pursuers seemed at one time inclined to leap into the river and swim across in pursuit of me, but his comrades dissuaded him from the undertaking and he left me alone. Uh, I mean, okay, so we've moved from Paul Atreides to JFK during the PT-109 incident. I mean, this this guy is just going from heroism, heroism narrative to heroism narrative. All right. No sooner had I set my feet on the shore than I began anxiously to look about for my brother, whom I saw in the hands of the soldiers, and whom I expected every moment to see put to death. Uh, I was not mistaken, for the traitors, uh, having dragged their victim to a spot not far from the river, beheaded him immediately, and leaving the trunk on the spot, marched triumphantly away with the head. Oh, so they're oh. down one. Whew. <laughs> yeah, again, God is a good screenwriter. Sometimes. Yes, sometimes and this this is just really demonstrating that he understands structure and stakes yes um so all right okay so abdel rahman then makes for north africa and he his son his freedman and one of his sisters who had made it to the meeting point stay there for about five years um, oh all right now, they can't link up with Marwan II at this point because the Battle of the Zab has occurred and Marwan mm. has lost. Ah, is is he able to continue fighting elsewhere or is he He is mulch? not. Okay. He is not. All right, all right. Now, there's a extremely hilarious to me bit <laughs> in um, Roger Collins' The Arab Conquest of Spain, mm. uh, which is a secondary source that I've been relying uh, on a lot. Right. You don't it, normally it, hear citations of that book with extremely hilarious, but well, it's it's only fun. Maybe it's only funny to me, but in in the main text, it says you know that historically Abdul Rahman the first is considered the only Umayyad to survive this mm, overthrow. Mm. And then there's a little footnote. And mm. if you go to the bottom of the page with the footnote, it points out that there are several other members of the royal family who pop up in the sources mm-hmm. at this point. So clearly they were not all massacred. No, right? no. But it says, so this person shows up and this person shows up. Mm-hmm. 
one must assume that the retelling of Abdal Rahman's story was extremely exaggerated. Right. Exclamation they, points. Right. Again. Oh, and oh, that wow. Just cracks me up because you <laughs> that, never see exclamation points. No, in a no. Source. When, when an academic uses an exclamation point, it's basically going nuclear. Yes. Uh, yeah, that's a big deal. Um, so basically, yeah, Roger Collins calls out the sources uh, as being big fat liars and puts yes, an exclamation yes. point on it. And I just laughed when I saw that footnote. Absolutely. I, By the way, I am going to add to the list Paul Atreides, JFK. Uh, we now have Anastasia. Uh-huh, yes. Um, we, yes, we yes, have yes. we have that notion of the, the the sole survivor of the familial massacre. Yes. Um, so we've got that going on, even though much like the Anastasia story, though, in a different way, it is a lie because it is not the sole survivor. No, no, no. In the mythos of Spain and Al-Andalus, mm. Abd al-Rahman's the only survivor. Right. right. Because as you the, can tell, he's going to end up there. Right. We 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 want our Moses. We want the yes. only one to make it, you know, out of the, right, of course. Yes, All yes, right. Yes. So they're in North Africa and they live there for about five years and mm -hmm. they're able to stay for two reasons. Mm -hmm. Number one, they're being hosted by Abd al-Rahman's mother's people, the Nafsa Berbers. Oh, oh. Remember his mother was a Berber concubine. Right, Berber concubine. Finally, yeah. that pays off. That does pay off. So he is a Berber. His son is a Berber right. and his sister who is with him is his full sister. She's also ah. a Berber. Okay. So they are hosted there by, by the Nafsa Berbers. Mm -hmm. Number two, the governor of Ifriqiya right now is a man named Ibn Habib, and he's mm. currently not declaring any loyalty to any potential caliph. Well, right? and to be fair, why would he? Whenever mm -hmm. the letter gets there, it'll it'll be opened by a different caliph. Right. I mean, well, we talked about this in Yusuf's episode. Uh, he and Yusuf are family members, right? They're right. cousins. Yes, yes, and I got are, that down. Yeah, and they are members of the settler Arab family of the Alfiris. Right. The ones who have been in North Africa and Spain for several generations. Right. They're more interested in maintaining their independence. I was going to say, it's it's the push towards local authority definitely Correct. makes them less likely to go, yeah, okay, That's to what's maintain behind the this. Right. Got they it. don't support the Umayyads, but they don't mm not support the Umayyads, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I th this has got to be, you know, sort of, you know, in the days of the Wild West, who's president? Who the hell cares? We're yeah. in, you know, we're it's, in, we're in a place that isn't even a territory yet. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it's the same way that they never pledged themselves to the new Abbasid caliph, but they don't right. not support not. the yeah. They just have said nothing about it. Right. As in, if we could send you a formal letter, a uh, declaration of whatever, uh, yeah. we would. So Ibn Habib is fine to turn a blind eye to some Umayyad royal family members living mm. in this territory. Sure. Right. I so mean, they are their family of a sort. So. Yes. Okay. So uh, this is how Abdul Rahman spends his time until the year 755. All right. Yes. So what changes in 755? Well, we have a new caliph. <laughs> yeah, well, here's what happened. The actual okay. story is that Ibn Habib is assassinated by his brother. And in the chaos, Abbasid rule over Ifriqiya is firmly reestablished. Ah, all right. So it's not safe for an Umayyad to be in nope. hiding there anymore. Right. No. Of course, 
as in the turban incident with Abu al-Qatar, our sources oh. have a far more personal explanation. <laughs> they they love to they do, do this. They love to put in a more personal Somebody's got to get their hair mussed or it's just not gripping enough. Well, uh, the sources tell us that Ibn Habib hears of a prophecy involving Abd al-Rahman becoming a powerful leader, and so he wants him expelled from his territory. Ah, uh, okay. So, all right. So I'm I'm debating whether or not this is the wicked queen being told by the mirror that she's not the pretty one, or is this, uh, you know, Lias being told that his son will kill him one day. Uh, yeah. Either way, gotcha. <laughs> In any case, Abdel mm. Rahman starts to make plans to head for Spain. Mm, like, sure. I can't stay here anymore. You know, my mother's people have protected me. There's actually a great mm. story of... Ibn Habib's people coming into the village where he's living and the queen hides Abd al-Rahman underneath her personal garment. So he's like, oh my, he's like hiding under her like skirts and skirts. Stuff. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And don't look up. Fine. Don't look up. Don't look up. Don't look up. <laughs> I got the impression that it was a pile of clothes. Not oh, good. Body. Oh, thank God. That's but that's a lot more. Yes. imaginable in a way that is not to his discredit yes no uh, it was it was her laundry not, okay not, all right not that's, what she was actively that's much wearing. better all right <laughs> but they didn't want to go through it because you know it's it's the queen of this berber tribe you don't look right. through the things no but that kind of just cements it to him that they can't really stay they're putting all everyone right. in danger so he leaves his son behind with his sister and he mm. takes his freeman Bader with him to the north african mm. coast from okay. this point, he starts to feel out how favorable the situation on the ground in Al-Andalus is to mm. him. Okay. According to the Akbar Mahmuha, the message he sends is thus, quote, he wrote to his clients in Al-Andalus complaining mm. that he was isolated and asserting his position with them and his desire to be with them and telling them what Ibn Habib had done to him and his people in Ifriqiyya. <laughs> He said where he, to begin <laughs> he said that if he came there yusuf alfiri would not protect him what he wanted he said was an honorable position among them protected by them and that if they were prepared to gain control of all on the loose they should tell him mm -hmm. yeah so it's like i just i want to be safe but you know if if you're willing to rise yeah. up against yusuf you know just let me know because i'm cool not for nothing uh, yeah that that was the message mm -hmm. sweet so Bader, the freedman, crosses the straits and he starts to meet with local leaders in the Granada area. Remember that mm -hmm. Yusuf is off in Zaragoza, putting down a rebellion and fighting some Basques. Right. We okay. mentioned in his episode that everyone else hears about Abd al-Rahman's survival and appearance mm -hmm. in Spain before he does. Mm -hmm. I'm going to read you this quote. It's from Ibn al-Qutiyya, and it really just illustrates how many people knew about Abd al-Rahman I's existence. Mm -hmm. Before Yusuf. Here hmm. we go. Quote, Badr came with a message from his master. They approached Abu Uthman, who was the leader of the Umayyad clients at that time, and saw mm -hmm. his advice at the village of Torox, where he lived. Abu Uthman sent for his son-in-law, Abdallah ibn Khalid, and talked to him about Badr's message. They ah. met together with Abu al-Sabah al-Yasubi, who was the leader of the South Arabian Yemenite tribes in the western part of Al-Andalus, and lived in the village of Mora uh, near Seville. Then they told Abu Abd hassan ibn Malik to approach Abu al-Sabah, who lived with him in Seville, and recall the favor shown to him by the Caliph Hisham. Then they approached al-Kama ibn Giyath al-Lakmi, 
and Abu al-Kala al-Juhani and Ziyad ibn Amir al-Juhani, who were the leaders of the Syrians settled in Sidonia. They approached the Katanid elders in Elvira and Hayen, and they also approached al-Hussein ibn al-Dajan al-Ukaili because of his <laughs> hatred of al-Sumail. When all this had been done, they went back to Badr and said, go and tell your master we agree. <laughs> oh, wow. Um, you I cut get... that down too. Yeah, I, 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 I sensed that. I sensed that. It, it's, it, it reads like the opening number of Bye Bye Birdie, the telephone uh, <laughs> thing. That was clearly written by somebody who knew that if they left anybody, any name out, they'd catch hell for it. Yes. Um, so, wow. Uh, well, but also I, interested in showing the the breadth of support. Yes, I, I agree. There, the, what, what you get, and also the degree to which these are, this was a civilized process by which consensus was reached. Yes. Um, since this is going to be a success story, it's important to know how that success happened and getting everybody on the same page before you start to show up and swing your, you know, package around is a really good way to do that. Well, um, it's interesting how all these people are mentioned along with why they're important. These are all right. very important local leaders, right? right. Of those right. different military units that we mm -hmm. talk, we've been talking about in the past. Right, years. right. Which, which aren't quite different tribes, but kind of sort of have that culture. Correct. Um, yeah. All right. Uh, another interesting thing in the sources is that Al-Sumail is listed as being one of the ones that was approached. Mm, okay. He's Yusuf's right-hand man. Yes, he is. Yes, and he is. apparently he was approached, told that Abdal Rahman was here. Mm -hmm. um, he thinks about it. He's the one that comes up with the plan to marry Abdal Rahman to Yusuf's daughter. Mm-hmm. But then he doesn't tell Yusuf about it. He lets Yusuf <laughs> find out about it when the messenger gets there. Right. Oh, dear. Really uh, paints an interesting picture of this guy. It it does. It does. And uh, either he knows Yusuf very well, and I mean that in a positive sense, or he knows Yusuf very well, and I mean that in a very negative sense. Yeah, you get the feeling he was trying to play both sides. Absolutely he was. Yes. Anyway... Bader goes back to North Africa with two representatives from Spain, and then they all sail once more to Spain with Abdal Rahman in tow. All right. So he lands in the Granada area. Mm. Now, the first two men I mentioned in that very long list, Abu mm. Uthman and Abdallah, meet with mm. him, and then he does a little tour of their estates, as well as visiting some more local leaders to convince them to support him as right. ruler of Al-Andalus. Right. Uh, I'm sure his... Uh, man at his side is constantly saying, tell them their tapas is the best. Trust me, you need these people to like you. <laughs> yes. And then all of these people who have pledged their support to Abdel Rahman march to Seville. Mm. Right? They uh, are, there's no real fighting at this point. Maybe a couple of skirmishes from holdouts, mm. but they basically make it to Seville just by marching there. Sure, sure. This is when the messenger finally reaches Saragossa. <laughs> this is when Yusuf finds out. Yeah. So yeah. having gone into this a little bit more in Abdal Rahman's episode, you can mm -hmm. understand that when they come to battle outside and in Cordoba, why mm -hmm. it's so decisive. Abdal Rahman 
takes over easily he came to play this yes. was yeah this was not going to be uh, a, a a match between equals it was going to be a match between somebody who in the words of the sportscasters just wanted it more yeah um, well he laid the groundwork he mm-hmm. made sure he had the support and then yeah he took cordoba in a walk mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. super easy um so now abdal rahman is in charge in Al-Andalus. Mm. And he is considered by most sources to be the first emir of Al-Andalus. Okay. Emir, I'm kind of translating as king. Um, we know mm. the word emir in, in English. We have sure. the United Arab Emirates. Right, who, right. We have emirs as their leaders. But it's basically an independently held area with mm-hmm. one person in charge mm-hmm. right yeah well, we could talk about this a little bit more in el resto i think right. of what this there's means. the word prince is the word that i i sort of throw around when i'm teaching my sort of shakespearean era things that, that it was it was used to designate the word prince didn't mean the son of a king it it meant you were the sole authority of an area that wasn't necessarily a kingdom or an empire. But, you know, when 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 the character in, in Much Do About Nothing is called the Prince of Aragon, it means he is the sole ruler yes. uh, of Aragon. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. So in the immediate aftermath of taking power, Abdel Rahman I is very mild and generous smart yes we talked about how when he took the royal palace a previous contingent had been there and just looted the whole place and tore yes. everything up and abdul mm-hmm. rahman made them come back and give mm-hmm. yusuf's family their stuff back. and apologize. apologize mean it mean yes. it mm-hmm. and, i'm sorry <laughs> and yusuf and al sumail are also treated very clemently they're not executed they're not not crucified between a dog and a pig Uh, not at all they are allowed to live their lives out as they're not really normal citizens right they have the ear of abdal rahman they're treated as honored guests all right you know here's your deck chair here's your crossword puzzle just relax it's fine put your feet up right then so this is done. Then Abdel Rahman kind of takes a look around at Al-Andalus and thinks, mm. wow, this has been a backwater for a long time. Yeah. There is a lot of stuff that has been left undone just mm-hmm. because it's so far from Damascus. Mm-hmm. Nobody really cares. Uh-huh. So he starts a building program. Oh. Basically. He improves roads. He builds bridges, uh-huh, uh-huh, he increases uh-huh. the infrastructure, uh-huh, and uh-huh, uh-huh, in the uh-huh. year 785 yeah. or so, which is actually towards the end of his reign, this uh-huh. is when he finally starts at the uh-huh. Grand Mosque of Cordoba. Yes! Yes! All the fist pumps. Yes. Okay. So the oh. Grand Mosque of Cordoba is very interesting, and we'll look at pictures in El Rey still. Yes. But it basically was a plot of land next to and including the church of saint vincent's which was purchased from the christians that had been mm. using it and just i i i feel like that church they've been having services in there like like muslim services right but they full-on just kind of took it over to build the mosque there sound policy okay All now right. this mosque and the pictures yeah. i'm going to show you are mm-hmm. of the completed mosque obviously because of we course. are in the year 2002 and right. it's done 
Uh-huh. But without Val Rockman, he just puts a little bit of it and successive uh, generations will expand it. So it's oh, quite okay. large and impressive. Right. But this okay. is where it starts. But but he finally, oh, Yes, God. yes. Oh. Okay. So he spends right. a lot this of time good. focusing on like just basic infrastructure and things mm-hmm. that he's going to need to rule an independent country. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, right. Unfortunately, a lot of this is not detailed in the sources. The sources uh, are very focused on military matters, right? Mm, mm-hmm. And Abdul Rahman I does have to put down several revolts during his time as emir. <laughs> Gosh, I wonder if there's one particular group of native people in Spain that he has to go to war with. Mm. Well, the first one is Yusuf, to be oh, well, quite honest. Right. Yeah, okay, Yusuf, all right. Yusuf eventually chafes under being just a lackey in the court. Forcibly retired, yes, yes, sure. Um, and, and he revolts with a group of people. This is in 758, so, so mm. not long after uh, the taking of power in 756. Mm. Uh, this was put down. Uh, he yep. eventually, um, Yusuf himself, retreated to Merida in the southwest and uh, ended up murdered. It's oh. unclear whether he died because one of Abdel Rahman's people killed him or because of his uh, own people. <laughs> well, but he does not come to a good end. Re- regardless, you know, he when he moved to Merida, he his real estate agent said, now this house does have a room of knives and poison. Is that a deal breaker? No, Indeed. I'm sure I'll be fine. Yes. So uh, these revolts are basically down to the fact, and this is something that Abdel Rahman I exploited when he came to Spain. The mm. fact that there are different local leaders scattered around the peninsula, yes. right? He right. went and grabbed support from each of them and played them off each other to get into power, right? Right. But once he was in power, sometimes some of them would decide to revolt. Oh, silly right. beans. Why would you do that? Well, you know, you get a sense of your own importance and mm. you have people behind you. It's it's pretty natural. Mm-hmm. For example, there were two revolts in Toledo during Abdel Rahman's the first reign, both of which were put down pretty easily. Mm-hmm. Um, there were actually a couple of revolts from the Abbasid Caliphate that came mm. from there, right? Uh, I'm, I'm going to highlight the one that happened in 763. This was right. seven years after Abdel Rahman takes power, right? Okay. So one day in the year 763, a local leader named Al-Allah ibn al-Mugtith al-Judhami, he lives in Beja, which is in the west of Al-Andalus, he gets a letter from the caliph, the Abbasid oh. caliph, mm-hmm. right? This is a guy named uh, Al-Mansur is his nickname. Uh, and he, he gets a letter. And included mm-hmm. with the letter is a diploma of appointment and a banner. <laughs> and the letter reads thusly: oh. Hey, do you think you can oppose Abdul Rahman? Because we need a governor for all. Our oh, people. oh, he and here's your banner. I mean, yes. Oh. So the Abbasids were not completely idle. They wanted to set up their own governor and and bring. Al-Andalus back into the ambit of the caliphate. Well, of course they did, but that's like sending, uh, informing the soldier that he has to take the castle and here's a pair of shoelaces. It's not what I need to do the job. Yes. So there was one of these in 763. There was another one in 781. I see. Yeah. Um, And then, of course, there were the local leaders who thought, Right, I can't oppose Abdul Rahman myself. Okay, 
But mm -hmm. there are other people who can help me. Yes. What about the Franks? Of course. This is probably the most famous uprising slash battle that Abdel Rahman the first is involved with because it involves Charlemagne. Yes. Oh good. Oh, okay. Right. So the last time we left the Franks, we were still dealing with Charles Martel. Right. right. I was that that was that was where I was uh, my notes are definitely Martel uh dominated at this point. Well that was 20 years ago. Oh well I don't know if you'd realize, but we had the whole Berber revolt. Right. And then right. Have ruled for a decade. Right. Not even the hammer is immortal. No, um, he, he did pass. Uh right. and his son, Pippin the Short. <laughs> uh, was in charge for, for a while. He's been in charge for uh, most of the past 20 years. Just responsible for one of the worst Broadway musicals. Uh, yes, yeah, sorry. And then Pippin the Short had a son, also mm. named Charles. Mm. At this point, he probably was just still called Charles because like Charles Martel, Martel is not his surname. In right. Era. Yeah, Magnus, right. He, this he, Charles he, is Charles Magnus, Charles yes. the Great, and that's where we get Charlemagne. Uh, yes, he had, He. had. I don't think he'd earned it yet. No, he wasn't <laughs> quite the, the main because this right. is 778. It's not long after Charlemagne has taken power. Right. Right. Um, Don't worry, there's a Holy Roman Empire around the corner, but... Oh, it's coming. It not yet. Coming. <laughs> but basically what happened, and again, this is just mm -hmm. an example of many such sort of conflicts, mm -hmm. but the governor or mayor of Zaragoza, which is a town in the northeast of Spain, a guy named Suleiman al-Arabi, <laughs> he decides, I don't want to be subject to Abd al-Rahman I anymore. Uh -oh. I can't stand up to him myself. So mm -hmm. I'm going to go to Charlemagne and ask him for help. Sure. So he goes, he goes to Germany and talks, talks to Charlemagne in person. Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. he travels there to the court of Charlemagne. And Charlemagne thinks, you know what? That's actually kind of cool. Like we mm -hmm. could get some more territory, mm -hmm. uh, turn it into Christian territory and expand, you know, the borders of, of my empire. So Charlemagne agrees he gathers mm. his forces and he starts marching south. Mm. Then Al-Arabi changes his mind. He thinks, holy <sighs> crap, what did I do? I called a Christian king in the yeah, territory. Why do I think that I'm going to come out good? In yeah. <laughs> like, do you, do you understand that when the Christians come, they don't leave? Uh, that's that's really their, their, their primary M.O., so when Charlemagne gets to Saragossa, he finds that the city walls are closed to him and the gates what are What the hell? Yes. Oh. So oh. a siege ensues. Yeah, it does. It, surprisingly enough, is unsuccessful. Either because really? Charlemagne was not expecting the resistance or oh. because halfway through he decided, you know what? This is not worth it. This is, yeah, uh, okay. Game's not worth the candle, but don't right. lose my number. You are you are dead to me. <laughs> so he retreats, and he actually retreats back uh, up north through the Pyrenees, through the northern pass. Mm -hmm. And on the way out, his army is attacked by the Basques. Of course it is! And this is uh, what the epic poem, The Song of Roland, La Chanson de Roland, oh, is, is about. Roland. All yes. right. This is the Song of Roland. All right. It is about this retreat through the Pyrenees mm. and how uh, they were attacked by the Basques on the way out. Uh, and it was coming from this siege of Zaragoza. <laughs> 
and the battle cry of but we were leaving yeah, they were leaving it is it does kind of suck why are you doing this we were leaving mm-hmm. in addition there are regular skirmishes between abdal rahman and alfonso the first and his son fruella the first in asturias well they they they've both got numbers after their names you gotta fight yes uh sure of now course. Most of these are just skirmishes. They're not mm-hmm. very large battles, and they mm-hmm. don't really do much, except mm-hmm. for letting each king come back to his territory and say, yay, what a great campaign season. Yep. You know, that's mostly how these turn out. But there is one interesting event that mm-hmm. happens between Fruella the first, who is Alfonso's son. We're going to get to him next. Actually, that's going to mm-hmm. be our next episode. Mm-hmm. And the forces of Abdel Rahman, who are being led by a guy named Omar. Oh, Now, tradition tells us that this Omar is a child of Abdel Rahman I. Hmm. I can't find that cited anywhere. Hmm. But it's important because Omar dies in this battle. It is a decisive victory for Fruella I. Ah, all right. Yes. That's probably the biggest battle between them. It, but feels, not, not like much it is... feels like we're planting a very, very grim, grim seed. seed. Yes, yeah, we are. Yes. There's a lot of discussion of these kinds of things um, mm-hmm. in, in the sources about Abdel Rahman, very focused on his military matters. All right. Even though he did a lot of social kingly stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Now, um, Abdel Rahman ended up having, if we count Omar as one of his kids, having four sons, right? Okay. The first mm-hmm. one, obviously, Suleiman, who yes. was reunited with him. Uh, Suleiman and his sister came mm-hmm. to Spain uh, okay. and lived there for the rest of their lives. Mm-hmm. When he gets to Spain, he marries a local, uh, I mean, basically a slave, right, uh, uh, from okay. the native population. And they have two sons, Hisham and Abdallah. All, all right. Yes. Omar, again, it's unclear. We assume it's it's from the, the same woman. You probably don't necessarily know, but I mean, with the, what, what's what's the nature of this marriage? Um, he was is, given her as a reward for taking Spain. Yeah, I knew it was going to be something. It's unpleasant. not good. No. Not all good. right. Okay. Right. All right. As we are going to see with Alfonso I's kids, four mm-hmm. is a lot of sons. Four is four is too many, probably. Well, um, and also, well, okay. So Omar has died at this point in battle. Okay, all right. So it's Suleiman, Hisham, and Abdullah. So now we're down to three, right? And now okay. we're down to three. Primogeniture has never been very strongly entrenched, either in Spain or in the Caliphate. Right. And in fact, Abdul Rahman decides before he dies that he wants his second son Hisham to succeed him. Not his uh, oldest son, Suleiman. Oh, uh, this worked out so well for King Lear. All right. There is a story in Al-Makari that, that talks about how um, Abdel Rahman came to this decision because someone pointed out to him, if you have Hisham as your heir, then mm. the court will be full of learned men and scholars and poetry and music and military geniuses and, and things of that nature because Hisham is into that. He's much uh-huh. more intellectual and versed uh-huh. in military aff- affairs. Uh-huh. If you have Suleiman as as your heir, then that court is going to be filled with flatterers and psychopaths uh-huh. and yes men because that's what Suleiman is like. 
mm-hmm. fine, but also the only way you can make that work is to, shall we say, eliminate Suleiman completely. Because if you leave him around to do the right thing after dad is dead, that is not going to happen. Well, we're going to pick this up in Hisham's episode because Hisham oh, does succeed his father, but Suleiman and Abdallah are really upset at this and they both go into exile and begin plotting. Oh, okay. I was going to, is, is, is Hisham's episode going to be short? Oh no, it's quite long. Oh, thank God. Oh, thank God. All oh, right. No, it's quite All long. Right. All right. Cause I was starting to get attached to Hisham and I, I worried. Well, uh, uh, I think I mentioned to you before, but mm-hmm. all of Abdal Rahman the first's descendants mm-hmm. have long, stable, well-administered reigns, which Ooh. is going to make it really hard when we get to Fuera or Fuera because ah, they're all, all right. quite good. All right. Well, you know, you know which is nice. It's a nice change yeah, from the government. Yeah, it, it really is. But uh yes. So then in the year 788, Abdal Rahman I dies a natural mm-hmm. death. He has ruled for 32 years. 32 years. Yes. Good lord. And he passes his new kingdom on to his second son, Hisham, who Hisham. will become Hisham the first. Okay. All right. So that wow. is the action-packed life and rule of Abdel Rahman the first. Yeah, we. This is not a movie. This is a series, and it is multiple seasons. This is a mini um, series. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. We will have to get multiple actors to play him. Yeah, at, you at need the kid points. one when his yeah. father dies. And yeah, you for need sure. The teenage one when he first has his son mm-hmm. and he's living under the chaos. Yeah. And then you need, you know probably someone in his 20s to do the flight from Damascus. Yeah. Oh, you got to have all of this. Oh, God, this would be so much better than House of the Dragon. All right. Well, are you ready to rate it? I, 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 I am very much ready. Okay. Our first category is Conquistadores. Now, uh, first of all, we can't overlook the idea that he came all the way from Damascus yes. and became the ruler, not just the governor of Spain, he became mm. the independent emir of Al-Andalus. He did. He, he overthrew Yusuf and he started a new thing. Yes. Yeah. That is important. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, literally took the country. Yes. I mean, that's that's really what it comes down to, is mm. he took the country. It was one kind of country before he took it, and it was another kind of country after he took it. So in that sense, I think the map has to change color. Yes. Uh, in it the usually same does way at that, this point. Yeah. Right. It, you know, in the same way that, you know, when when the U.S., when the colonies become the states, yes. the map of America changes color. Clearly knew how to assemble an army assembled one with with sort of overwhelming force and then won well Um, an interesting thing about the army i was going to put this in el resto but mm -hmm. up to this point the army has been tied to the the fisc which is the Mm -hmm. the treasury the the lands held in common and and basically the idea is if there's a war people come and you know that they're they're farmers or they're whatever and they come Mm -hmm. and they fight for when it's necessary 
And then once they've done their service, they are released back to, you know, their regular lives. This right, is one of those in the Middle Ages. In yeah, Mexico. standing armies are hellaciously expensive. Well, um, Abdel Rahman I creates a standing army of 10,000. He is the you, first one to do this. You clever clocks. Nicely yes. done. Yes. Nicely done. So he's okay. the first one in Al-Andalus to break apart mm-hmm. from that. All able-bodied men must fight for the ruler when necessary and actually right. the professional standing army. 10,000 is not huge, mm-hmm. but it gets the job done, especially when most of what you're doing is isolated rebellions. Mm-hmm. This mm-hmm. is why very few of them uh, actually come to anything. Right. In right. addition, when he puts down these rebellions, he's quite determined about mm-hmm. this. I have a little list here that, that I'm going to read. Oh, oh, all right. So in 758, we have the revolt of Yusuf. It was put down and Yusuf ended up murdered. Mm -hmm. In 761, there was a revolt in Toledo. It was put down uh, (laughs) and calm was restored. And to maintain the calm, the son of the rebel leader was given as a hostage to Abdel Rahman. Then the rebel leader reneged on the peace treaty and rose in revolt again. So... Abdel Rahman I beheaded the son and tossed the son's head over the walls of Toledo with a mangonel. All righty. Well, <laughs> you bought the ticket. You take the ride. Um, yep. that's, uh, yeah. In 763, we had that uh, uprising that was supported by the Abbasid Caliphate, sending the mm-hmm. banner and the letter of appointment. Right. right. It came to nothing. Right. In 778, we have Charlemagne coming to Zaragoza. And mm. that was uh, unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. In 781, there was another uprising uh, supported by the Abbasid Caliphate, Abu Jafar, right? Mm-hmm. It was easily overcome. Abd al-Rahman mm. I took all of the rebels that had participated, cut off their heads, tagged <laughs> their ears with the person's name, and then shipped all the heads to Mecca. <laughs> he shipped them to Mecca because oh. Abu Jafar was on pilgrimage at the time. Mm, Abdel Rahman knew. He was like, I want these to go right to him. Yeah. So they sent him to Mecca. Abu (laughs) Jafar opened the package. Right. Get them to them. Get them to them while while they're fresh. Uh, Apparently, Abu Jafar said, God be praised for placing a sea between us. Yeah. Okay. All right. These are some of the successes Mm. of Abdel Rahman when Mm -hmm. it comes to conquistadores. Yeah. It wasn't all positive. Mm-hmm. For example, in 759, the Franks conquered Narbonne, and oh, that uh, is lost to Spain forever. So uh, we did lose territory. Mm, that's a big one, and Narbonne is nice. So, so Sep- right. Septimania is going away. It will be gone yeah, before, yeah. before we know it, right? Because Charlemagne right. is the one who takes that. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Plus more, he's going to cross mm-hmm. over the Pyrenees and set up the Spanish march in the north of what we consider Spain. Right. So there, there is some territory loss. Mm-hmm. And of mm-hmm. course, we have the case of Omar versus Fruella the first. Right. right? right. So it wasn't all wins. Right. And he does, in fact, lose territory. But as you mm-hmm. said, he changed the color of the map from the right. colonies to the states. Yeah. I never state that. Right. No, 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 no. I, I, I think we have to score him quite highly. I don't think that we score him as highly as like Alfonso. Right. Uh, or Musa, but I think that we, I, my just instinct, I, I, I was, I was thinking eight, but, but the loss of Narvon and the anticipated loss of Septimania, I feel seven. 
I was uh, also seven, yeah. Yeah, seven, seven feels about right to me. And it's it's a strong seven, to be clear. But those two losses definitely sting. Well, um, it's, it's just amazing. He was never, I mean, he was raised in a royal household. He was raised mm-hmm. to be a leader, but he was never yeah. raised to be like the caliph. And right. now he's the head of a brand new state. Yeah, and definitely I think the, the it's a strong seven because he's using the army exactly the way the army should be used back then, which is basically you're a fireman. Fire yeah. breaks out, you show up, you put it out, yeah, and then you leave. You're not, this is not, we're not going to take the, you know, well, the fire truck's out. How about we, you know, go cruising? No, we're not no. going to do that. We're going to go back to the station. We, yes. we put out the fire. That's what we do. Yeah. Um, he, he strikes me as a very, very level-headed commander-in-chief. I, I absolutely think that a, a solid seven. So that is a 14 for Conquistadores for Abdel yeah, Rahman the first. Doing pretty good out of the gate. I like Great. that. The second category is Nome Digas. What sort mm-hmm. of gossipy, scandaly things did he do? I have to say, personally, he mm-hmm. was known as a temperate, level-headed, good administrator, religious, mm-hmm. like a good guy. So there's yeah. nothing personal, like he didn't embezzle money, he mm-hmm. didn't perpetrate genocide, there's no real bedroom antics, mm-hmm. you know, that that were that would be uh, frowned on. So so there's nothing really personally scandalous about him. Right, right. However, his story is oh. just amazing. Yeah. He is a minor member of right. the royal family. He escaped down mm-hmm. the Euphrates into Africa. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, with just the only members of his family that he could he could grab while running yes, out of the yes, palace. Yes. And he became the ruler of Spain. Mm-hmm. Certainly there's nothing scandalous by the standards of his time. Um right. uh, the children with the slave is a little uh, and, that, and that was that was very, very normal. You know, no, no, no. I'm nobody not nobody would have thought again, I'm I'm yeah, if, if if it's no me digas, put it this way, uh, yeah. it, it certainly wouldn't have caused anyone to digas back in the day. As a um, matter of fact, there is another story about him when he takes over the, the royal palace in Cordoba. Mm-hmm. There are two concubines that were given to him. They, mm-hmm. they were members of the um, the household in Cordoba. So they, they had been Yusuf's before. And he doesn't like create a harem with them or anything oh actually marries them off to to two other people oh all right yeah so like i suppose what i would come down to is he's not he is a he is clearly a good provoker of the kind of gossip that you never see Mm. which is appreciative Gossip. Like, oh my gosh, Um, and then he did this, and then he ran through the forest and he swam across the Euphrates. Yeah, Yeah. here's what I have written down in the list of heroes whose stories mirror (laughs) his. Yes. Uh, I have Claudius uh, of Robert Graves, Paul Atreides, JFK, Anastasia, Moses, Augustus, Bugsy Siegel, Aragorn, and Arthur towards the end with the uh with the whole Mordred. Uh, dynamic and Suleiman. So yeah. that's a lot. And every single one of those people is the source of a story. Yes. That can be that the equivalent of which can be told about him. Again, 
a lot of nome digas, a lot of literal nome no digas way. is said. Yeah. It's the, yes, it's very much the dude, no way kind of nome digas. Mm-hmm. I want to score him fairly, fa- I mean, I miss scandals. Yeah. Uh, scandals are always fun, so he's not going to get a 10. I think I want to give him a 7 again. Okay. Um. Yeah, it, uh, it just, it feels, well, maybe 6. I think 6. I'm going to okay. say 6. Six is six sounds about right. I I'm, I'm thinking a five. All right, I agree with you. Yeah, people would have been talking about him a lot. Yes. Um, like I said, the legend is that he's the last one of the Omayas to survive, and he yeah. all the way to Spain and continued his legacy. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's amazing. Absolutely, absolutely amazing. But I do miss like scandal. Yeah, absolutely. You know? Just so, as absolutely. We want, we want, we do want scandal. It embezzles um, some stuff at least. Yeah. I mean, yeah. look to Musa. Musa was just Musa as was awesome. Great. And Musa did some shady stuff. So, <laughs> yes. All right. So that's at 11 for Nome Digas. Pretty good. Our next category is Orthodoxia. This he is- built a mosque. Well, okay, we're we're gonna look at those pictures. I'm gonna I'm gonna look at them here. It, it's an interesting one mm-hmm. because officially he was out of orthodoxy because he did not recognize the caliph. Oh, that's true. Well, that let, true. let me be precise. He didn't not recognize the caliph. Okay, but he didn't recognize the caliph. He never said, "We are not part of the caliphate." Oh, so it's it's the policy that of his predecessors of just not answering the question. Just don't you answer know, the question. Humming idly until the subject gets changed. They didn't uh, take any orders from mm-hmm. the caliph. Right. You know, they didn't have any people in government positions that were appointed by the caliph. He was entirely self-appointed and self-authorized. And um, as a matter of fact he decided to remove the name of the Abbasid Caliph from the Friday prayers. Mm-hmm. Right? All right. He didn't officially say, yes, this mm. guy is the Caliph. Right. But they right. didn't ever say that someone else was the Caliph. This right. is important because later on, Abdul Rahman's uh, descendant will mm. eventually say, you know what? This is stupid. I'm Caliph. Ah, all right. Well, that, that we're not at that like, point yet, right? We're we, but we're obviously we're at a period where, if, for example, we were ranking someone like I don't know Martin Luther or Joseph Smith, yes, obviously they break away very strongly from the orthodoxy of their the religion to which they were you know to which they were born, mm-hmm. but they create an orthodoxy that is every bit as dynamic and rich and of course as the initiator of that orthodoxy yeah Um, so that's an interesting facet of it mm -hmm, they are technically mm -hmm. out of orthodoxy with the head of the religion Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. on the other hand the great mosque of course he built a mosque are you ready for these pictures yes i am so this first one is a drone shot of the mosque currently this is modern Mm -hmm. day cordoba oh my god Yes, it's wow. huge. Uh, you can yeah, see, it is. You can see how it was built upon, right? So we have this central area, which was, as you can see, the original Christian church uh-huh, that was taken uh-huh. over, right? Um, and then expanded and expanded until. Oh it yeah, it's like the Winchester. It's like the Winchester house. It's well, we're done with that part. Let's put something else next to it. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, there's this wonderful uh, patio, which is oh yeah, the gardens the look lovely of, of the orange trees. This mm -hmm. is the bell tower, unfortunately, which was oh. built by the Christians after it was converted back into a cathedral. Oh, it was. Oh, that's disappointed. The minaret uh, disappointed. has been lost. Right. Damn it! Yeah, that's. I mean, that was. I was. I really had my fingers crossed that we had a decent minaret. I mean, I, I, I understand there was probably some hard feelings, but you know, on, on the other hand, you know, the Muslims left the Hagia Sophia intact. You know, yes. show a little class. Yeah. So this is the current day extent of the Mesquita de Cordoba. Wow. Uh, this is kind of a um, a map of who did what. Expansion. Mm. So you could say Abd al Rahman in 785, he right. just did this orange part here, mm. right? Mm. So it's like mm. the entrance, and then this little dotted part indicates where the columns are. So this is the inside part where you kneel down to pray, right? Okay. Then his successors will increase it a bit. Mm. Abd al Rahman the second, Al Hakam right. the second, Al Mansur. I was going to say you're you're spoiling up upcoming episodes for me because I, I can see these bit. new names, right? So so the um. The pictures I'm going to show you are, of course, since we are past the latest date on this, which is 988. Right. We'll see all of it, but all of it was not built by mm -hmm. Okay. Right? Sure. So, yeah, it was on the site of a, uh, a church, St. Vincent's, but mm -hmm. actually underneath it, there mm -hmm. is a Visigoth church. Oh, wow. Actually, when you oh, come in, because I have been to the Mesquita de Cordoba uh -huh. several times, and when you come in, mm -hmm. this is the first thing you see. There is an excavation to the floor, and and mm -hmm. what we are looking at is a tile work floor, uh -huh. style. Oh, right? okay. so this is the original church from the Christian inhabitants uh -huh. before uh, before the Muslim takeover. Fascinating. Then the that, mosque is on is... top of it, and actually, okay. in the center of the mosque is where the cathedral is. <laughs> Okay. Oh, all right. So it's everything on top of everything. I there see. Are, there are even some people who believe that underneath this floor, there is a Roman pagan temple. Oh, right. So, yeah. so okay. Um. So let's look at the inside. The most striking feature of it is the columns. Oh, right. My goodness. It's yes. the columns with the arches with the red and uh -huh. white paint. Yes. 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 This is what the inside looks. And um, this is some of the original from Abdel Rahman the first. And as it was mm. expanded on, the pattern was repeated. So this mm -hmm. is what it looks like throughout the entirety of the mosque. Man. Right. They uh, but the really front... understood that you got to have arches if you're going to have height. Um, yes. Nice. Up at the front of the mosque, normally in the front of Christian churches, there's an altar and some statues mm -hmm. and stuff sure. like that. They obviously don't do that in Islamic tradition. So no. uh, the front of the mosque is called the mihrab, and it's oh. basically just an indication what direction should you face. Ah, all right. right? Wow. So you're all facing the right way. So this is the front archway. Mm. Um, and you can see the uh, arches get a bit more elaborate here. Um, <laughs> yeah, they do. <laughs> yeah, you, you've got to see that here. Mm -hmm. um, wow. And and this is the uh, quote unquote front. So everybody looks at uh -huh. it. It's, it's an arch. There's a little like alcove in there uh, and written around the side. There's no, obviously people or animals or everything. It's no, no, no. As decoration. Okay. Which says there is no God, but God, Muhammad, right. prophet, other verses from the Quran. Play play the big hits. You gotta of exactly. course. All right. Exactly. Sure. Sure. Um, so yes, this this is the grand mosque. Wow. And this uh. was built by or started to be built by Abdullah. Mm -hmm. We Excellent. cannot 
judge his orthodoxy without taking that into account hell we can't absolutely that was yeah, yeah no that's special tell listeners to go look at the look at the pictures this Just is look up yeah. the pictures yes. yeah it, yeah it's, it's one of the most amazing places yeah, it really is uh all right so what do we um, want to give them for that i want to give them a lot yes. uh, <laughs> i do too I, I think that what what we're looking at is someone who on his own initiative mm-hmm. created a place that would essentially make generations of muslims better muslims yes. um just because that having a place like that is essential to maintaining your faith in a time in which your faith was tested every single day well um, and it's you know there's a reason that we build places of worship to be beautiful and awe-inspiring mm-hmm. it's not the same as just praying in your living room right it's right. just not no exactly um so i yeah I, okay obviously got to take some points away by you know flipping the birds to the to nominal the yes. head of uh your church but having said that given the character of the nominal head of your church given the fact that the nominal head of your church was a repeated liar yes. and murderer Massacred your entire family right i am going to suggest that perhaps that is not as unorthodox uh and as it would no be religious schism right yes. there was no like we believe something no. different no um, this is this is you're a murderer and a liar and i'm not going to you know submit to that nonsense i love that mosque i'm gonna give him a seven okay i would give him more but the fact of the matter is you gotta part of orthodoxy is following belief that you don't happen to uh agree with yeah. So I'm going to, I have to knock off some points, but at the same time, there's no way I'm giving him anything other than uh, a relatively high score. Yeah. Um, I'm going to give him an eight. Oh, uh, all right. Yep, yep. Yep. So that is a 15 for orthodoxia. One of nice. our better scores. Oh. Online. Our final category with points is El Reisto. One of oh. the other things that he did that go along with being the leader that have persisted to this day. Yes. And of course, the mosque. Yes. He really came to Spain and he was like, okay, I want this to be a kingdom that I am the king over with and we need infrastructure. We need to build. This can't be a backwater. I said, I I mean, I used, I I compared him earlier to Augustus. And I think that that's the Mm. person that you really want to sort of hang on to. That the person who created, he created the emirate. Um, and not only not only in terms of title but just as augustus did basically said all right we're we're now our own i am this is now a new thing and it's going to be a better thing we're going to build roads we're going to build aqueducts we're going to basically this is going to be a city of marvel as opposed to a city of wood and i think that when we look at uh al rachman we're looking at exactly that same impulse that this is a place that is going to be very much its own a center 
rather yes. than a backwater. He, That's really he, what he I does build Cordoba as the capital city. As right, right. Another thing um, he does, he starts minting coins again. It's been like seven. Oh, years. good. Oh, thank God. It's been like seven years since Yay. any coins have been minted in the peninsula at all. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. I have a coin to show you. Okay. Now. It is a little sad. This is a it's, silver coin. It's not the best. It's not the best. And I, I it's will still say, better than most of the Visigoth coins, but and that's not so in Asturias, much. they are not minting any coins whatsoever. Ah, all right. All right. So um now during the Emirate, uh as we mm -hmm. call it, the, the independent uh Al Andalus, the only coins that are minted are silver and copper. There are no mm. gold coins minted. I don't know if presumably they didn't have access to sufficient gold. To I'm do... not sure exactly, or maybe they wanted to save the gold for other things because there will uh, be gold coins minted in the south. And no, that, that makes sense. Again, eventually. Okay. All right. But so here, here's a coin, and mm. actually, interestingly enough, we do have a statue of him. Whoa! Yeah. Uh, how's that? <laughs> so this is it. Oh, all right. And it oh. is on the southern coast in um in Granada, in the uh, huh. of Granada, because that's where he landed. Okay. So this is basically commemorating his landing on the shore. Huh. Yes. Well, that's that says a lot. I mean, if they're if they if they liked him enough to build a uh because after after all, that that is a statue that would have had to have been erected by non-Muslims. It, it is um, a statue and, by non-Muslims. And, and if that's the case, you gotta say, if non-Muslims think this guy was worth a statue, because that's an impressive statue. It's, it it's clearly is. meant, it is not an unflattering statue by no, any means. No, he looks very strong. He's got a sword. Yes, his, very striking. Um, his headgear has a... Um, like a, a train to it yes, that flows yes. down very attractively. Yes. Uh no, it's a it's a it's 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 not a bad statue it's at not all. Not a bad statue. Um, yeah. Yeah. So he was I, important enough and impressive enough mm -hmm. that a statue was made of him, which I yes. think says a lot for a Muslim ruler. I, I agree. I agree. In addition um, so, to that, he ruled for 32 years. 32 years is insane. 756, yeah, 756 to 788. Yeah. A huge um, amount of time. Very See, impressive. He and Alfonso I overlapped for two years. Mm -hmm. Then Alfonso I died and his son Fruella took over. So, right. um, yeah, we've had a long rule up in Asturias, but now right. we're starting to have long rules down in the south. Left behind a son who inherited? Left uh, behind a three sons. Three sons, okay. Yeah, Suleiman, um, Hisham, and Abdallah. And mm -hmm. one of those sons did inherit mostly peacefully. Yeah, yeah. Um. And again, Bill, he thought about the succession. He wanted to set up a familial succession right. and not Bill, just leave the country to whatever. He thought about it. He was like, I think Hisham is going to be better than Suleiman. Mm, I want him to inherit from me. So much going on here, both both the visible and the visible. There's what he did to Cordoba. There's the mosque. But there's also the, I'm going to build up a political infrastructure among the local leaders so that when yes. i finally take over uh and and one of them decides to get out of line i'll be able to use the others uh to to deal with them uh you, the standing just, army was huge for him the standing army uh i mean uh, he's as close to a 10 as no, i think you can get round. yeah yeah, I mean, this this is his round. Um, I suppose the only thing I can say necessarily is a lot of these projects don't really come to fruition 
until the reigns of his son and grand. Right, right. That's, like the that's mosque true. he started three years before he died. Right. It was definitely not even close to complete by right. the time he passed. But but the but but you know the guy that lays the cornerstone absolutely oh, gets yeah. at least some of the credit. Yes. Um and as you said, the investment in aqueducts, roads, yeah, yeah, right. Uh, I mean, when when we consider how long there are going to be emirs, when yes. we consider how long hundreds of years, yes, yes we're we're. I'm going to give him a nine. Yeah. Uh, I just I I think we have to. Um, he's. I'm not going to give him a ten because I want to save ten for. There's going to be somebody down the line who you know conquers a planet. Well, um, but, uh, that's someone coming down the line who I'm going to give a 10 for. I already know is going to be Abdel Rahman the third. Okay. All right. So there. there you go. There's, <laughs> there's, there's going to be a 10 and this doesn't feel like that. But apart from that, I will, I, I will say there's really, I, I, I give him a nine and I do so cheerfully. I'm also going to um, give him a nine. It's absolutely, absolutely yeah. impressive. The legacy he leaves. Right. But the, the court he surrounded himself with yes yes you know we've we've i've made the comment i mean you know listening to the the past episodes we i've made the comment of, of there are people who have like two year reigns and everything goes right in those two years and we guard and we grade them low because as i say over and over if you'd had more time you probably would have been, you know, so well, this guy had 32 years and damn it, he used and those he used 32 well. years. Mm -hmm. This is what we this is who we reward. Yes. Um, so yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Nine. That is an 18 for El Rey Stowe. That might be our highest score so far for El Rey Stowe. I think so. And his yeah. overall score, that gives him a 58, which wow. I think is either the top or close to the top. It's got to be close to it. I think Alfonso was our last top I think one. he got a 56. Um, so. Oh, wow. Well, you know, good good for you. Yes. Um. So we have one more question to ask. Does this yeah. guy deserve to pick up the pen and find Yo El Rey, or do we say fuera? He literally did it. He did. <laughs> he literally did it. This is a, this is the easiest. We are letting this guy sign the fuera. And said, you know what? I'm king. And he got a, got a problem with that? Like, no. All right. <laughs> he did. He came in and he said, "I'm not doing this governor stuff. Yeah, no. no I no. am king. Mm -hmm. Yo El Rey." Yeah, well, Ray. We have yeah. to let him sign the. Yeah, photo. this is so easy. This yep. is an easy one. <laughs> yes. Well, congratulations, Abdal Rahman the first. You yes. have signed the fuero. You join uh, such luminaries as Musa and Leo Vigild and Alfonso and, and yeah, Alfonso, all mm -hmm. Yes. Let us know what you think. We are active on social media. We have Facebook, Twitter, Mastodon. We have a Gmail mm. account. All of those are Spanish Arpada. And we have a website, which is SpanishArpada.com, where you can look at past ratings, vote on whether you think the uh, ruler should have gotten the fuero or not. Mm -hmm. And it's 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 all really great. And look at the pictures. That's the big mm -hmm. draw of the blog. Yes, 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 yes. All of yeah, the pictures are, yeah, absolutely. All right, this is when we do recommendations. All right. Uh, I'll go first this time. 
Please don't. I'm going to recommend a series that I just started watching on Netflix. It is called Mm -hmm. The Taco Chronicles. Ah, Chronicas del Taco. Mm -hmm. This is a great little series. It started in 2019. Uh, uh, Then 2020, they filmed uh, season two. And they have just released season three this year. Mm -hmm. And it is a... Well, it's basically a show where in each episode, they take a different kind of taco and delve into the history of it, how it came to be, how it's prepared. They talk to Mm. chefs, they talk to people on the streets, they talk to people who own restaurants, they talk to food historians, and just really go in. They're about 30 minutes each, so not super long. Mm -hmm. And as I said, each episode is about a different taco. So the first episode of season one is about tacos al pastor. The mm-hmm. second one is about carnitas, right? The third one is carne asada. So each one is about a different type of taco and you can learn how, how what these different tacos are, if you're unfamiliar with them, what they're like, where mm-hmm. they're eaten, when they're eaten, et cetera. Mm-hmm. I will warn you, you should have food, preferably tacos. Yeah, I was, I was you're saying, I, I, I wish I had eaten lunch before we recorded. If you don't have food at the ready, and again, preferably tacos, you will want tacos five minutes into yes. watching. Yes. The third season is particularly interesting because it's called Cross the Border. And instead of each episode being based on a taco specifically, it is based on a different U.S. city and explores the taco mm. scene in each of those cities. So there's one mm. about Chicago, there's one about Los Angeles, there's one about uh, San Antonio, what about Phoenix, etc. Right. It is great. It is mm. very well done. And uh, like I said, it will make you crave tacos. Mm-hmm. So it's on Netflix. So Not that some of us need incentive, but yeah. Yes. <laughs> oh, the other thing is it's in Spanish, but there are subtitles. Yes. Right. So so no worries about following along if you don't. I, yeah, I, I will say this. The subtitles are 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 perfect. So yeah. They, they're, and as they're someone who speaks both, they're very well done. Yes. You're not missing anything. Right. So that is my suggestion. That is my recommendation nice. for this week. The Taco Chronicles, nice. Las Cronicas right. del Taco on Netflix. Mm. All right. Well, I am also going to recommend a series. It's a series I've I've started watching. It's 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 in progress uh, as we record this. It is uh, a a series. Of, it's called, and you may have heard of it. It's called Welcome to Chippendales. I have it is, seen it advertised, but I don't right. know anything about it. It is on Hulu. I'm sort of I've always been a true crime fan, and so you know when when whenever they do a new true crime series, I always like to perk up because chances are I've read at least one book uh, about it already. And I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see actors embody the, the figures that I have imagined on the page. This is one such instance. It is set in basically the early 1980s, late 70s, early 80s, mm-hmm. about, uh, it is the story of an immigrant from India, Steve Banerjee, who basically invents male strip clubs, invents Chippendales, invents the Chippendales brand, and sort of single-handedly transforms basically uh, what what had been, obviously, a very skeezy, shall we say, way, way, way off the Vegas strip style of entertainment into something, and I'm going to put this in quotation marks, classy. That is to say, something that nice suburban women uh, could go to and be seen at 
and feel not just unashamed, but, you know, sort of self-congratulatory. Uh, and of course, it became a huge, 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 huge success. And then from within, it, it tore itself apart and people started to get murdered. And oh this gosh. is, the, oh yeah, no, this is, this is a very true story uh, about what sudden success does to people who are not ready for it. And yeah, people ended up being murdered uh, in part because Steve Banerjee could not handle sharing anything that he felt he had earned. And the thing that I want to, I mean, yes, obviously it's very lurid, it's very exciting, uh, it, it's well well cast. Uh, Kumail Nanjani plays the lead. He is utterly compelling. He, he, this is one of those instances where you take someone who is in and of themselves sympathetic and charming and likable, and you cast them as someone who is gradually more and more despicable so that it is compelling and heartbreaking. Oh. Murray Bartlett, uh, who was so wonderful on The White Lotus, plays uh, his sort of nemesis. And uh, it's just, it's a terrific cast. What I want to mention uh, that is really, to me, compelling about it is this. And I'm going to be very grad student-y for a second. I love the politics of it. Because it's a story of the, the staff, the Chippendales, all either immigrants, people of color, women, or gay. Okay. Uh, just across the board, there are no straight, male, cis, you know, cis, there's, there's no oppressors, shall there's we no say. There's no traditional in, male gay. That's right. They're not in the room. And... So you have all of these people who come from all of these subaltern worlds coming together and creating a vision of male, you know, cishet sexuality that they're going to commercialize. And it's this wonderful flipping of the tables that I kind of adore. And then, of course, the, the cruelty of the story is, yes, but you're still doing this within a mm -hmm. competitive a uh, capitalistic system that is designed by the 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 the, the oppressor mm -hmm. to make you turn on each other right so it, it's 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 it is a wonderfully dark version of how the american dream will destroy you regardless of whether or not you play the game and i really i just think it's i think it's it's way more interesting and way more compelling than just the strip club murders. Um, although that's really fun too. <laughs> so that sounds so like that. a great show too, to yeah, be honest. It, it is. It is. So so that's 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 my recommendation. Welcome to Chippendales. On Hulu, yeah. On Hulu, yes. Awesome. Well, next time we are going to be jumping back to the north because as I oh, mentioned, Alfonso the First has finally died, and we get right. to delve into his family messiness. Oh, I was talking about lurid murders. All right, yes. here we go. Yes, yeah, we're going to have some of those uh, because <laughs> Abd al-Rahman the First reigns for so long. We're going to get through basically all of Alfonso the First's children before we. Oh wow! This oh, yep. this is just going to be okay. This is going to be meat grinder, isn't it? Messy. All right. All right. Yeah, but we we will touch that next time. So <laughs> okay. I'll see you then. Looking forward to it. All right. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.